comes up, how can I be a part of uh, missions? How can I be a part of God's plan, of God's uh, big picture, as it were? Where do I find my part? And uh, on the early days of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he first began to uh, get his uh, disciples together and show them uh, you know, who he was and what he could do, uh, he, um, he, taught, he took them to a place uh, in, in Cana uh, of Galilee and there they were to be observers, just watching what the Lord Jesus Christ could do. Okay, so this was at, right at the beginning of this uh, ministry of discipleship and they didn't really know everything about the Lord Jesus Christ. They were still learning about him. They knew that there was something different about him. They knew that he was, that he was the one that was pointed out by John the Baptist, that he was the Lamb of God that was to be slain for the sins of the world. And, and so they, they were following him, but they wanted to know more about him. And here he was revealing something about himself. And let's read uh, from John chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto, his, unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there, were set th- uh, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water which was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word, and we ask that you would speak to us through it tonight, and that you would teach us, Lord, uh, how we can be a part of your uh, your ministry, how we can be a part of your plan and your will, and uh, that you would uh, help us to see uh, just how easy it is to uh, to be uh, a part of your work. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so here they uh, the disciples have come as observers, and uh, at this wedding, they're at a uh, you know in the, in this culture, if there's not uh, if the people haven't provided enough. For the people who have come to the wedding, that would be a shame uh, to the family. And so they were having a, a moment of crisis because the governor of the feast has asked for some wine. And the servants, when they went back to get the wine, and there wasn't any. And they're going, well, what do we do? Because, you know, if you don't do what the master says, you're in big trouble, right? A servant must do uh, what, his, uh, what his master is, uh, is, is asking him for. And so they are in this crisis for a moment. And the mother of Jesus comes to, uh, to, uh, to him and says, uh, they have no wine. And it's very interesting how he replies because, you know, we would probably think this sounds a little bit disrespectful, you know, uh, the way that he... Um, uh, another wonderful thing about technology. You've got to turn it on. There you go. 
Thank you. And then, and so um, uh, the the Lord, the, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, comes to him and says, "There's no wine." And he says, "Woman, what have I to do with thee?" And uh, we have to remember, Jesus never sinned. Okay. And uh, what we see in these in the scriptures in the in the gospels that every time that someone tries to lift them. Uh, lift Mary up more higher than she ought to be, Jesus is always very quick to make sure she's back down to where she's supposed to be. Okay? She is a human being. She was blessed of God. She was chosen of God. She did the ministry which God asked her to fulfill. She was faithful to God. And, uh, but she is not God. And she's not uh, a part of the Trinity. You know, understand? And we don't put our trust in her. We put our trust in the, the, the Son of God uh, who was born from her. And so um, here he says, you know, woman, what have I to do with thee? He's, he's basically saying, look, this, this is not the right time and that you are, you know, I'm now 30 years old, okay? And uh, it's not, this is not the, uh, the, the proper way to do it. This, it's not the time for this. And before, after this and other areas, when people came and said, uh, you know, blessed is the womb that bore thee and the paps that thou hast sucked. He said, no, blessed are they that hear my word and keep it. Okay? And so he always focused the, put the focus off of Mary and onto uh, himself and the word of God. Uh, and so here in this moment, he, but it's, you know, this is an, an excellent uh, scripture for people who are Orthodox or Catholics. Okay? Because they, they venerate uh, the uh, the Virgin Mary, and we have to always steer. We say if you if you trust in the, in Mary, if you if you think she's something great, listen to the words of Mary, the, you know, and and let's listen to the words of Mary. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Amen. <laughs> so the mother of Jesus is pointing everyone to Christ. And she's saying, whatever he says, do it. What, how many people that say that they, that they uh, honour Mary or worship Mary do what Jesus says? Okay? And so uh, this is a very important verse for those kind of people where you can and say, listen to what Mary says. You know, whatsoever Jesus says unto you, do it. Do it. Um, and so there at this time there were six uh, water pots uh, ready for uh, ready for being for the use, they'd been purified. God had uh, the, the people had had prepared them, but they were standing there empty. And so Jesus comes to these servants and he gives them certain commands. Now these servants have been taught to obey the master. Okay, the governor of the feast. He is in charge. He has asked for wine and there was none. Now they're in a crisis because there's no wine, and uh, they don't really have to listen to what Jesus says. You understand? They're not his servants. Yet they obeyed the, the words of, the, of, uh, of Mary and said, okay, what, how can you help us here? We need help. We need someone to, to save us from this situation. Otherwise, we're going you know, to be in big trouble. And so uh, he, he says to them, fill the water pots with water. Hey, that's pretty easy. Okay? So they did that. They filled the water pots with water. It doesn't affect anybody. They thought, okay, it's not a very difficult request. We can do that. But then he asked them to do something else, which is a little bit more difficult. And he says to them, draw out now and bear it unto the governor of the feast. Uh, 
the governor asked us for wine and you want us to give him water. Uh, you know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> We're going to be in trouble. So, you know, this is a little bit more difficult to, to actually fulfill and, 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 and obey. And yet, what does it say they did? They bear it to the gathering of the feast. They were obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. They did exactly what he said to do. And when they poured out the water to the gathering of the feast and he began to drink it, he says, man, this is the best wine that we've had all night. And the, who were who the people that knew that it wasn't wine? The servants. And they're going, what? What do you mean? And they're, they're amazed by this fact that, that Jesus has uh, done, this, uh, done this miracle. They said, we, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure we put water in that pot. And this guy, he's, maybe he's well drunk. No. <laughs> but <laughs> he said, but here's, the, here's the miracle. They would be able to see what the Lord Jesus Christ could do. And what we learn, what the disciples learned from the, uh, this event at the time was that if you do exactly what Jesus tells you to do, you enter into the miracle that he's about to perform. Okay? Now, these, these um, uh, servants, they didn't know why they had to fill the water pots with water. They didn't know why they should give it to the governor. They didn't know. They were just doing what they were told. And yet, they entered into the first miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't even know that that's what they were doing. They didn't understand the thing. But because they were obedient, they took part in that amazing moment. And this is the lesson that we need to learn. If we do exactly what Jesus tells us to do, we will enter into the miracle which he wants to do through us. Okay? Now, there's no greater miracle than the salvation of a soul. You know, he says uh, in, in chapter 1 to Nathaniel in, um, in verse 50, at the end of verse 50, he says, Thou shalt see greater things than these. You know, he told Nathaniel that he saw him under the fig tree. And Nathaniel said, you are, you know, you're the, the Lord, the Christ, you know. And, and he, uh, he, he, he bowed down to him, believed on him. And he says, because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You're going to see greater things than these, you know. And then later on in the Gospels, he says, after he's uh, raised the dead and healed the blind and, and uh, taken out the devils of people and, and uh, you know, healed the, the lame and, and, the, and the people that had uh, different, different diseases, he said, you're going to see greater things than these. And if you follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. And then... When Jesus is finally gone, the Spirit of God comes upon them, upon the disciples. They became fishers of men and they were part of a greatest miracle uh, since the beginning of time, which is the Pentecost, which is thousands of people getting saved all at once. And the, the precious thing about salvation is that um, you, have to, you have to compare it with something to see just how precious it is. Because when you, when you think about the, the angels in heaven and how they decided in their pure state, to reject God and to follow the devil. Okay, that was a pretty monumentous, monumentous moment. Okay, it was pretty big. You know, the devil said, I'm not going to obey you anymore. And all these angels said, we're not going to do it either. We're going to follow Satan. You know, and they turned away from God, which was something that was against their nature. 
It, was, it shouldn't have been that way. And yet they, just, they chose to go with the devil. Well, that was pretty bad. And that's pretty, probably why there's no redemption for the angels. Because each one of them made a decision to reject God and to follow the devil. And Helen, uh, the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. And so, um, but then when you have a look at mankind born in sin, corrupted from birth, in his nature rejecting God, okay, and wanting to be selfish and do his own thing and, and, and be number one, okay, when he turns from his way and comes to Christ and chooses to follow God against his nature, that's something precious. Amen. Because that, it's, like a, it's like a slap in the face of the angels that, that turned from him. He says, you, you guys turned away from me when you were perfect. These guys worship me in their sinful state. They've turned. They've rejected their own way. They've bowed the knee to Christ and they've given me place to be Lord in their lives. That is the greatest miracle. Okay, There's nothing greater than that. And when Jesus healed... Uh, physical ailments, okay, he says, uh, you know, uh, take up thy bed and, uh, no, he said to the, someone, your, your sins be, be forgiven you and everyone's like, what? Who can forgive sins but God? And he says, well, which is easier to say, rise, you know, take up your bed and walk or to say if sins are forgiven? In other words, while he was healing the physical, he was forgiving the spiritual, amen? He was saving the soul. He was taking their faith and he was uh, 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 blessing them and also healing their uh, physical ailments. And so uh, these, uh, we can take part in the greatest miracle, which is the new birth. Okay, the new birth, the spiritual birth of the soul. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want to see the spiritual birth. Uh, in, I want to be able to see it happen before me. I, want to, I like to be able to talk with someone and tell them about Christ and see their life change in a moment. Amen. Because when God does something, he enters in, in a moment, and everything's changed from then on until the end. You know, he just, that's the way he's always been. Let there be light. Boom. And there has been light ever since. You know? And uh, when he entered in, he said, I'm going to enter into human history with the flood. Boom. In comes the flood. Changed the course of history. And it's the way it's remained since, since then. Okay? And God, whenever he enters into history, he changes things. And it's changed forever. When man does things, he creates things over time. You know? And then when he's dead, it falls apart. You know? That's the way it is with mankind. But God does things perfect. And so when we enter into the miracle of the new birth, you know, when we allow God to use us so that we can be a part of that miracle, uh, we have to be obedient. We have to do what he says. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, when, when we go and, and preach the gospel, what are we like? You know, because sometimes we look upon the outward appearance and not look at people uh, as, as souls that need a saviour. And we'll, you know, we'll walk down the street giving out tracts and give one to this guy, give one to this guy, and they see someone that doesn't quite fit in our little box of what we consider is acceptable. And we go, oh, go under this guy, you know, and that guy walks past and you go, oh, you know, and we say, I give checks out to everybody, but we're a bit selective. You know? We're not allowed to be selective in our evangelism. 
Amen. It's a place to want to, a place to seek the souls of men. And it doesn't matter what they look like on the outside because God will fix that later if he has to. You know? And so we need to be, begin to think spiritually and to see what God is trying to do. And so God wants, he's got a ministry for us to fulfill. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's, he wants to fulfill the Great Commission and he's going to use us to do it. Okay? And we have to be obedient to that command. And when we do exactly what Jesus tells us to do, then we enter into the miracle. It's that simple. He can't use you if you're sitting at home doing nothing. You know, the devil wants you to stay there. You know, he makes it nice and comfortable. He makes it so that, you know, it's kind of hard to leave the house. You know, you finish work and you're pretty tired. You think, oh, should I go out and tell someone about Christ? Nah. So sit down, have something to eat. Have a bit of a nap, you know. We think about these things. The weekend? Are you kidding? To go out in the weekend and tell people about Jesus? I need a rest. You know, these are the things that go through our minds, and uh, the devil is happy with that because he says, "If I can stop you from speaking for me, then I win." Speaking against me and speaking for Christ, and so uh, we have to be obedient to what the Lord Jesus Christ says. When we're obedient, we enter into the miracle. And we see the effects of this, uh, this first miracle in verse 11. And the beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. Okay, this, is, this is the main reason why God does enter into human history. He enters into human history to get the glory. Okay, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, ask you to do something for him so that you can have the glory. He asks you to do something for him so that he can have the glory. Amen? It's not for you. It's for him. We're serving him. Um, could you imagine what, was, what it would have been like if Moses had gone down to Egypt and he went up to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, of course. Please, take anything you want. Take everybody. Take all your herds. Take everybody. Just go. We'll give you a free passage across the sea. We can, we can make sure that you get to, your, uh, to your, the promised land, no problems. You can imagine what would happen then, wouldn't it? Moses would have gone, <laughs> did you see how I spoke to Pharaoh? I said it in just the right way. You know, just, you know, just was able to convince him to just let us out of here. You know, how great am I? But God didn't do that, did he? <laughs> Pharaoh said, no, you can't go. And then he made it worse for them. So then Moses stuck between the Israelites who are now giving, have been given a harder task and the Egyptians who didn't want him to be there. And he, thought, he, he actually says, Lord, is this what you wanted me to do? Because these guys want to kill me and these guys want to kill me and I'm standing in the middle all by myself. You know, is this what you wanted me to do? You know, and he began to doubt. And God said, look, just do what I say. Amen. Just do what I say. And he took the rod and he did what God said. And what did God do? After 10 plagues, he got the people out of Israel, crossed them across the Red Sea. And when they got there, all of Egypt and Pharaoh and all of Israel and Moses, okay, and then the land of Canaan, they all said, What? Look what God did getting the people out of Israel, out of Egypt. In a sense, people looked and they said, God got the people of Israel out of Egypt. Not Moses, 
not Aaron, nobody else, and God did it. And when they got to, to Cana, and they went over there and they, and they began to, uh, to Canaan and, and they were supposed to go in, okay, and they said, oh, yeah, the land is exactly the way that it's supposed to be, but you know what? We were grasshoppers in the sight of the people that lived in that, in that, in that country. We, we can't go in. We can't defeat them. You know? And then later, after they'd all died and the next generation went around to cross the Jordan to enter into the Promised Land, they go to Jericho and... Lo and behold, they speak to a lady named Rahab and she said, you know, when we heard about how you came out of Egypt, man, we were shaking in our boots. We didn't know what we were going to do. We thought if you had to come up here, we would have all been slain. You know? And if only they had gone in as God had told them to do, they would have entered into a miracle. But they didn't. They entered into the wilderness wanderings for 40 years, doing nothing, waiting to die. And then the next generation went in and did the miracle. They defeated the giants. They defeated the, the, land, the, the kings of that place you know, because they were obedient to what God told them to do. This is the key. This is how you can be a part of God's mission, of God's plan, of God's will. Being obedient. That's it. It's so simple. And when you're obedient and an obedient servant doing his Lord's will, he gives his Lord, what? The glory. Amen? Because God was the one that said, do this. And he said to do it at this time, now. And when you go and you do what he says, he works out all the rest and you go, whoa, didn't realize it was going to be so easy. And God says, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy for me, you know. It's, it might have been easy for you because you did what I told you to do. And yet... So we, we, we have to give God the glory. You know what happens when uh, you know, we go out and a few people get saved? We go, oh, how good are we? We go out door knocking, people get saved. That's just the flesh, isn't it? The, the flesh always wants to take the glory because it wants to be God. Amen? So we want to take the glory. We have to give the glory to God. Uh, there was... Um, uh, I don't know who said it, but I read it once that um, this man said, uh, uh, you know why God doesn't give us revival? Because he can't trust us to give him the glory. And if, we don't, if we're not prepared to give him the glory, what would he want to, to bless us? What would he say, here's a, here's a whole heap of people to get saved when you don't give him the glory? You know? And so we have to begin to think correctly about how we serve God and say, Lord, you know, we want, we're the servants. You're the master. You deserve the glory for everything that happens here. And uh, Jesus said to us, when you've done everything that you've been asked, what do, you, what do we just say of ourselves? We are unprofitable servants because we did what we were asked to do. We didn't do anything over and above. We just did what we were asked to do. Yeah. Some things to think about. Yeah. And so when Jesus did this miracle at the wedding, who got the glory? Jesus did. Amen? He got the glory. He manifested forth his glory. The servants went, whoa, we sh I'm sure we put water in there. I'm sure we put water in there and it's wine. And they probably tasted some. I went, it is. It is wine. You know? And we didn't do anything. Well, we, did, we filled it with water and served it to the master and that's it. And God did the rest. 
and they glorified the Lord. But then it also says uh, that he manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. And they, because they were watching and seeing what the Lord Jesus was, was doing, they were able to, as, as observers, notice that Jesus Christ did something that was uh, impossible. He did something that was impossible. And they were able to, you know, they were just learning about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he could do at this time. And what it says here is that they began to, you know, they believed on him. And they believed on him more and more. And every time they walked with him and did something with him and learned something about him and learned about what he can do, they believed on him more and more and more. And that's the way the Christian life is supposed to be. We obey. We see what he can do through us. And then we go, whoa, can he do that again? Let's go and do it again. And we get stronger and stronger and stronger in the faith. It's supposed to be a, a growing, you know. You know what happens? We say, oh, I remember back when we were uh, in, in the youth group or something and, you know, it was such great days then, you know, it was, you know the, the singing was great and, the, and the, the, you know, people were getting saved and all this kind of stuff. And, and you say, well, God did it back then. He can do it now, can't he? You know, why are you thinking back at the past and going, oh, woe is us. Oh no, God stopped working, you know, as if God can't. And the problem is we're not being obedient. We stopped being obedient. We stopped obeying. And because we stopped obeying, he stopped working through us. He started working through someone else, somewhere else. See? Because on the earth, every day someone's getting saved. Somebody, somewhere, whether it be Africa or Asia or... America, it doesn't matter. Every day there's someone getting saved because people are out there preaching the gospel. And if you want to be a part of that, you have to be obedient. That's as simple as it gets. And so we're supposed to grow in our faith and we're supposed to say, God did it for me yesterday, I can do it today. I can ask him to help me today. I can see what he's going to do through my life today. I can continue and grow and grow and get stronger and stronger until uh, he, uh, he has finished with me, until I've become what I was supposed to be. And so uh, we are supposed to grow in our faith. Putting our faith into practice helps us to grow in our faith. And so these, these three things, to be obedient. We must be obedient to what Jesus says. We have to do exactly what he says. You know what we do? We want to be spiritual about it, okay? We read, we read the Bible and we read something that we don't want to do, okay? It happens. And you know what we say? I don't understand this verse. I don't understand it. Because we don't want to say, I don't want to obey the verse. We say, I don't understand it. In other words, you know, if, if only I could understand it, then I would do it. But really, in our hearts, we're saying, I don't really want to do it. And so I'm just telling you that I don't understand. <laughs> and so I don't understand this verse. And I'll come to pass and I'll say, is, it, is, is there something in the Greek? Pastor, can you, can you go back to the original language? Must, it must say something else, right? It must mean something else. There must be another word there that we can translate some other way so that I don't have to do what it says in that verse. You know? Love your enemies. 
Uh, I don't understand, Pastor. Is that, that couldn't possibly be agape, right? It must be another, another word, you know, another word for love, something a little less, less than having to give my all, you know. I don't want to give my all. I just, you know, I just want to give a bit, you know, maybe, maybe say hi to my enemy every now and then, but I don't want, I don't want to give all, you know, I don't want to be unconditional, you know. I hate him. <laughs> Supposed to love your enemies. Amen? Love your enemies. They can't, you, you, there's no other way of explaining it. Love, what does it mean? You know, okay, I, I, do, I choose to do good to that person. Doesn't matter what he does to me. I choose to do good. That's love. That's what it means. Okay? And your, your, your enemy, you know, someone who's against you, your enemy, your, you know, my enemy. I have to love my enemy. I'm not going to obey that. And God says, all right, you don't enter into the miracle. You don't enter into the miracle because if you, if you will love your enemy, maybe he'll change his heart. Maybe he'll be converted. Maybe he'll become someone else, a new creature. And you could have been a part of it. But in your disobedience, you didn't want to love that person, and because he didn't want to love him, that guy, either he either goes to hell without hearing the gospel, or someone else will speak to him about the Lord. And you miss out on being a part of something great. And so we have to be, we have to be obedient, you know? We have to be honest with ourselves. Is that, am I, do I just not understand it, or do I just not want to do it? You know, and then we need to get on our knees and say, "Lord, forgive me for not wanting to do what you've told me to do." And maybe, maybe God will say, "Well, you know, because you repented, you know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to use you. Go out and tell someone about the, about Christ." And you go, and God blesses, but He's only going to do it if He can get the glory. He's not going to do it so that you can come back and say, so good at preaching the gospel. Every time I open my mouth, people just go, oh, yes, whatever you want. You know? We think, these little thoughts go through our minds, you know? We go, I'm so great. You know? Did you see what I did? Did you see what I did? You know? People mark their Bibles. And there's like 100,000 lines about how, how many people they've led to Christ. And then you say, where are they all? And I don't know where they are. You know, I never discipled anybody. I didn't get that far. Just said to someone or something, and he must have got saved. He must have got saved. And uh, we can begin to get proud in it. And so he's going to allow to use you if he can get the glory. And when we allow him to use us for his glory, then we begin to believe on him more and more. And so how can you be a part of the plan of God? How can you fulfill the will of God? Okay? By saying, Lord, you are the master and I'm the servant. You tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. Look what they said. Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. They didn't half fill them. 
didn't quarter fill them. Fill them to the brim, all the way. There wasn't another bit, drip of water you could get in those pots. Okay? They did exactly what he said. Okay? And then when he said, bear it out now to the gather of the feast, they did what he asked. And they buried out the, the governor. Even though in their minds they probably thought, I'm about to give water to the governor who asked for wine. This is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. And when they did it, there was a miracle. Amen? There was a miracle. And so uh, I wanted to encourage you this evening. You know, trust the Lord. He knows best. He knows exactly what needs to be done. Okay, his plan is that, well, and he's, he, he doesn't want anyone to perish. His plan is that you will grow in your faith, that you'll be able to be, uh, be, able to, to be used to his glory. Okay, he wants to, to use you. Don't you want God to use you? Yeah. Um, we say God can do the impossible. But when it comes down to the practice, we think, oh, you know, I don't really see what God could do. Not especially through me, I don't know what he could do. You know? Well, I, want to, I, I personally, I want to see what God can do through me. I, want, I, I, you know, I think, Lord, whatever you want. You know, I'm just, I just want to be in the right place at the right time saying the right things. Okay? I just want to be there and uh, whatever you want. And uh, I'm, just, I'm waiting to see what God can do. What, God, what can God do? Wouldn't you like to see what God can do through you? You know, we think so small. We have such small things on our minds. You know? And God says, you're going to see greater things than these. Greater things than these. You know, you're worried about this and that and that. And he says, come on, there's more to life than this. There's more to life than this. There's greater things. But you can't have the greater things unless you do exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ says. And so... If you're a Christian here tonight, be obedient to your Lord. Amen? One day you came, you bowed the knee and you said, Lord, please save me. I want you to be my God, my Saviour. You, know, you, you were ready then to do what he would ask of you. And then something happened. And you stopped obeying. And you're going to say, Lord, I want to obey again. I've been wasting my time. I need to come back and do what, what you want in my life. Maybe there's someone here tonight that's, that doesn't know Christ as their saviour. You know, uh, he died for you. He suffered for you. He took your punishment that you deserve upon himself so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be saved. And he is the saviour. Amen? He's the saviour. And God chose him as the saviour. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to know how to get to heaven? It's not by doing good works. It's by going through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Coming to Christ and asking him to save you. Asking him to forgive you for your sins. Because he paid the price, God can, is ready to forgive you if you will just come. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
So if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as a saviour, tonight is the night that you can come to God and say, Lord, I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to, to, I need to reconcile this relationship between you and me. I want to stop fighting. I want to start living for you. And so if you will come and, uh, and, and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, uh, you, uh, you would enter into the greatest miracle of all. And it will happen to you because God can change you, change your heart, change your nature, and he can help you to do that which is right. And so uh, remember these things. Do exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Not some, you know, exactly what he says. Do it exactly. Fill the water pots with water. Amen? Fill them with water. Don't leave any out. Make sure you do exactly what he says. And may God bless you. And may, and may you see what God can do through you. Amen?